let's just talk about two things today. One is that we find the mitzvah for bris milah. It's interesting. It's actually not the first time bris milah is found in the Torah. And that's something perhaps to think about. We're not going to discuss right now. But we know that Avram was already commanded to circumcise all of his descendants. We have to wonder why the Torah has to go ahead and why God has to go ahead and reiterate this mitzvah. Is there a reason for that? So that's something to talk about and think about. Um, but what is the symbolism of a bris? It's a, it's a pretty strange thing we do when we think about it. You know, we're somewhat accustomed to it, uh, but it's, it's pretty intense. It's pretty intense. Despite the child, the, son, the boy being eight days old, uh, what we do to this boy is, is really quite severe. Um, so what is, what is the meaning behind the bris? So a couple of two, two approaches, three approaches um, that are discussed by some of the classic commentators that I want to share with you. One is something that Rabbi Yehuda Halevi, the author of the Kuzari, suggests. And he says that this is, you know, his approach is that it represents one of the fundamental ideas in Judaism. And that is that one of the overarching goals of the mitzvos is to rule over our physical drive and not allow them to rule over us. Okay, so we want to be in charge of our emotions and our drives. And therefore, being that this is such a fundamental idea in Judaism, if not one of the, one of the core ideas, therefore, the thing that demonstrates that we are a Jew is specifically going ahead and circumcising our, the organ that represents our lust. Right, and so that's Rabbi Yehuda Halevi's suggestion that again, because this this idea of overcoming physicality and be overcoming our drives plays such a central role in our faith, that's why the sign, the covenant, the bris, the os that demonstrates who we are, that we are a Jew, is specifically in that realm. Okay, the Rambam says something very interesting. He says that it is precisely because this process and this this ceremony is so intense, is so severe. That's what demonstrates our complete and sincere faith in God. In other words, the only way, although I know nowadays the notion of a circumcision has become much more accepted and is much more the norm for many people, Jews and non-Jews alike, uh, but certainly in ancient society, this was not the case. Um, and he says, we're deliberately doing something severe. It could have been like, I don't know, a little nick in the, in the ear or something, but instead we're like, we're a certain, you know, a high necklace. But the fact that we're doing something so severe to demonstrate that we are Jews is a way of, it's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy. We are, it, it allows us to demonstrate how deep our faith is in our faith, in God. And therefore, he says, you know, our question is the answer. Because it is so severe, that's why it was chosen as a way of demonstrating our faith in God. Okay? Uh, the Kedas Yitzchak, Rav, uh, Rav Yitzchak Arama, the last approach I'll just mention, he suggests that it's, it, he doesn't get into the details of why this specific area, uh, but he says it's deliberately done. And again, in the ancient world, only Jews um, perhaps Muslims as well, uh, but primarily, you know, that would, would be circumcised. He suggests that this was done specifically so that we will be distinct. You know, many people in certain generations chose not to be circumcised and they don't stand out. You know, they say in the times of the Greeks, um, many Jews actually went through some painful surgery to reverse their circumcision. The Gemara has a discussion about this. So the Kedis says that's exactly the point. We want to show we're different. We want to show that we want to, and, and not for the sake of being different, but rather to create a sense of community, to foster love and peace among fellow Jews. So those are three possible reasons as to why men are circumcised. Like all mitzvot, these are all theories. At the end of the day, it's what God commanded us to do. So perhaps addressing each of these specific reasons, we can come up with an alternative. That's not the point. These are our, uh, you know, suggestions, not our, but our, our sages' suggestions as to why God gave us this commandment. Let's talk about saras for a moment, because that's really the theme of this parsha, both Tazriah and Mitzorah. The saras 
you know, the Torah goes into much detail about the specific types of, of, of skin disease, what we loosely translate as leprosy, that when a person has it, then there's a whole list of, of different steps they must go through. Uh, the Kohen has to come and check them out and see if it's the right type of spot. And if it is, they go in, and they go into quarantine and, uh, you know, eventually they come out, hopefully, and then they bring a, a certain carbono, certain offering. What is Tsaras? So the Barbanel and the Ralbag suggest it's a physical disease. It's a contagious disease. And they say, you know how we can prove it? Because why else is there a mitzvah? Uh, why is, else is there a, a, an obligation to quarantine, right? We only quarantine if we're afraid that we are going to be contagious. Um, if you recall last year, it was around these partios when, uh, when the, you know, our quarantine started. Um, it made, give us, give us a new perspective on these partios. But, you know, that's the barbanel. They're, they're both rationalists and they suggest that the reason the mitzora, which is the term we use, the person who has this, uh, again, form of leprosy, the reason that they quarantine is because it is a physical and, uh, transmittable disease which could spread. Most commentators disagree, and they disagree quite strongly. They say that's ridiculous. Um, you know, there there's so many spiritual elements to the process, the carbonos that are brought at the end, and um, you know, granted that address the quarantine, but there's so many other features over here that don't seem to be. It doesn't seem to be about a, just a regular physical ailment. Uh, one of the questions they actually ask a very interesting question. They say if it's really not a spiritual disease. Now, of course, everyone agrees there's something physical on the body or on the house or on the clothing. The question is, is this just a, an ailment and the Torah is giving us laws about what to do with this ailment? Or is it an ailment that is only triggered because of something spiritual that has taken place? And those, the vast majority of commentators who suggest it's the latter, that it's some form of a spiritual disease, they say the biggest proof because if it's just a physical disease, who do you go to when you're sick? Might be, it depends who you're asking, it depends on the crowd. Uh, but you're not supposed to go to your rabbi when you're sick, okay? Don't call me up with a sore throat. Call your doctor, right? I mean, this happened over, over COVID, right? People will call me, should I go to Shul now or should I do this? I don't know, call a doctor, right? And that's what these Rishonim say, right? Why are you going to the Kohen? Why are you going to the Kohen who, whose job is, his job is spirituality? If it's just a physical disease, go to a doctor. And the fact that you're going to the Kohen demonstrates that there's something different, that this is not just a simple physical disease. There's something more over here. Um, parenthetically, or not parenthetically, but the Meshachachma actually tries to answer this question um, on the Barbanel and Rabak. He says that it's true, really, you should go to a doctor. But because the disease was so dangerous... You wanted to train the Kohanim, who were spiritual people, in how to deal with it because they have extra special um, you know, protection. So in other words, the Meshachachim is, is saying, yeah, maybe it really is a physical disease. It's just that you want to have a holy doctor, right? And because you don't want to th- send someone into a dangerous place. It's very scary. You know, we could, you, I'm sure you've heard from different doctors and nurses who have been on the front line. It's a scary thing. So you want to ensure that the people who are dealing with those who are contagious are holy people. Okay, it's a, it's a fascinating approach. Uh, but let's, you know, the conventional approach is that this ailment is caused by a person who tears apart the fabric of society through the most famous is gossip, but also through lying. Any, any sin which causes society to fracture, right? When I lie, that causes distrust between people. When I gossip, it causes distrust between people. And similar types of sins are the cause of tsaras, okay? And, and, the, and the rationale behind the quarantine in that light is that the person needs to spend time on their own and recognizing that when they're with other people, they're causing problems. They, they, don't, they don't appreciate the value of society. Maybe that's another way of saying it. That this individual who is so callous in the way they speak about other people or in the fact that they are not trustworthy, they are not appreciating the great gift 
the fact that God hardwired us in a way that we trust one another. And that's the only way society functions. So this individual who's a gossip monger, this individual who's a liar, they are ruining, they're ripping apart the fabric of society. And therefore, in order to learn their lesson, they need to go into quarantine. And that's, by the way, why, uh, you know, uh, the, the Chavitz Chaim Heritage Foundation uh, made a very valid point, and many people have been working on Lashon Hara during these times. You know, uh, you know, we don't know God's ways, and, and anyone who claims they do is, uh, you know, is, is we just don't. Um, but, but the fact that for so long, you know, thank God things are, we're turning a corner, uh, we've turned a corner, but, you know, for so long we were stuck in quarantine, perhaps, perhaps looking at the Torah as a model, we could say that maybe we too were not, we didn't care enough and didn't appreciate the gift of society, of social life, which I think we all came to appreciate much more. And so it's not just a matter of saying, thank you, God, now I can hang out with friends, but also asking, are we contributing to a healthier society by, by being trustworthy individuals, by being honest individuals, by not sharing things that we know that were shared to, to us in confidence? Are, are we doing this or are we not? Okay, so that's something to, to think about and perhaps to make this practical for us. Um, of course, gossip is something that we all struggle with throughout, but certainly now we've had a, a rude awakening and a rude reminder of how important society is. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a charge, it's a reminder to us to ensure that we have a strong and vibrant society when we get back together. I want to mention one last idea, a beautiful idea, um, and that is that we have some, the Gemara mentions that although the, the, the individual who has Tsaras has to go into court, the Kohen has to check the Tsaras, um, and, um, you know, and, and, and then he goes into quarantine. However, however, there's an interesting exception to this, and that is that if a person has Tsaras, at the time of Aliyah Leregel, three times a year, the Jews were commanded uh, to go to Yerushalayim. And if a person has Tsaras during that time, they don't have to follow the regular rules. All, all the rules that we're studying this parsha out the window during this time, which is bizarre, right? Basically, it's the busiest time of the year. And there are many mitzvot that, that could possibly get in the way of, you know, the mitzvah, the person who's stuck in the, you know, in quarantine, he misses out on many mitzvot, like we all know. But it's specifically this mitzvah of Aliyah Laregel, when we are commanded to go to Yerushalayim, if a person has to rest during that time, don't worry about going to the Kohen, don't worry about quarantine, just go to Yerushalayim with everyone else. The question is, why? So Rav Hirsch, first he makes the first point, he says that clearly, clearly, if, you know, according to that Gemara, you cannot tell me that this is a typical ailment that is contagious. Because if it was contagious, right, the last thing you want to do is send this person to Yerushalayim, right? That's a super spreader event. All of the Jewish people are crowding onto Yerushalayim. So that'd be the last place you'd want to send this person. So clearly it's not a contagious disease. Clearly it's just supernatural. Again, there's something physical on the body, clothing or house, but it's something supernatural in its nature. And we don't worry about contagion whatsoever. So he says, but what's the reason? Why is it that Aliyah Larega, that when you go to Yerushalayim, there, uh, then the person doesn't have to check out his Torah. So Rav so beautifully. He says, there are two ways to address the flaw of being antisocial, of uprooting society. One is to remove yourself entirely from the kahila, from the community, and to reflect on how painful that is. And from that distance to think about how I could be better. The, there's another way. And that is by doing the opposite extreme, by immersing yourself in the most beautiful social event that took place in the, among the Jewish people, to really appreciate in a whole new way and to involve yourself with society. You know, Yushalayim was jam-packed. 
It was jam-packed. It was all the Jewish people, specifically the men, but they pres- presumably brought their, brought, many of them brought their families along, you know, would crowd into Yerushalayim three times a year. And, and you have this incredible interaction that the Gemara describes, Gemara Yuma actually, for those doing Dafyomi, uh, describes, you know, how it was, it was such a beautiful event and everyone, you know, there's space for everyone despite the crowdedness and everyone enjoyed being together. That's another way to learn and appreciate how beautiful society is, right? Sometimes when you're in a big crowd, you say, wow, this is so beautiful. You see people are interacting, we're at a wedding. There's something very beautiful and heartwarming. And it, through that positive immersion, you actually gain an appreciation of how important society is. And it's a reminder to your, oneself of what they need to do to ensure that society remains healthy. And this is really a global message. It's a global message because when we recognize we have a flaw in ourselves, right, we could do one of two things. One, we could run away from that area entirely. Or we could go to the opposite extreme and try to become a better person in that area and try to appreciate the good that is involved, right? You could, uh, you know, as a silly example, but there's so every, each of us could take this in our own life. But like, do you, do you tell a thief, you know, to stay away from other people's things entirely? Or do we tell the thief to become more of a giver, right? Um, and, and appreciate how it is to the opposite of, of being stingy and being selfish and, and realize the beauty of being able to give, right? So similarly, with every characteristic flaw, there is the, the opposite, the inverse of it. We could grow by reflecting on the bad or we could grow by immersing ourselves in the good. And what this parsha, what, what, the, what we learn from the Mitzorah is that it seems like either one works Pick whichever approach you, you want. Uh, I will tell you that the, 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 the Musser movement very well depends on which side of the Musser movement you were in. Uh, but uh, Rav Yerucham Levavitz once beautifully said, and it's quoted from his, one of his students, um, Rav Volbi or Shlomo Volbi, argued that if a person has a choice, what are they going to work on? Either one characteristic flaw or one value, one positive. What we work on the positive, it's a much more efficient way of growing. And so... Let's try to do that. Anyway, have a beautiful week. Have a beautiful Shabbos. For those who are available tonight, we are going to be celebrating Yom Ha'atzma'ut. Uh, we will be joined by Moshav at 7 p.m. Uh, there is a Zoom link. It's uh, on the Facebook page. It's on our show email list. It's on our show website. And then we'll have an address by Rabbi Sarna, the new chief rabbi for the UAE. And we'll learn all about what's going on on that side of the world. Have a wonderful day, a wonderful Shabbos. Take care. Be well. Bye-bye.